Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Young Ambiguous Podcast. Um, today I have a good friend who I've known for more than 12 years. Um, she is a, I would call, call her a pro student, like she's like a pro athlete, but she's pro at academics and studying and test taking and even teaching. Um, and she w even worked in education for many years and has tons of experience in the field. My good friend Bethany Tanner is on the podcast today to talk about uh, kind of the church and education, but also just why that's a whole topic and its importance and all of those different things. So welcome to the podcast, Bethany. Thanks for having me, Gerald. Um, we, we talk about a whole slew of things. Anytime you, uh, Laura, and I are all in the same room, we just can talk for hours. And then, you know, we realize, oh, wow, it's 2 a.m. We should probably you know, sleep or something. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> yeah. It's happened before. It's a, it's a real life situation. I think it's happened more than once, but I definitely... Last time I think there was queso and chips involved. Yeah, you can't, you can't break with, with queso and chips, but I definitely enjoy the conversations that we have, and I think that there's a lot of value um, that you can bring to a conversation about this because of your range of experience with education. Um, not to put you on blast, but part of your, your history was, uh, it's on your transcript probably, you were homeschooled. Um, <laughs> now you were homeschooled all the way through high school or did you go to public school or private school at some point? I went to private school for uh, my first two years of elementary school and then in my junior year of high school I was dual enrolled at um, what is now <laughs> Eastern Florida College. Nice. BCC forever. Yeah, BCC forever. So you have experience being homeschooled. You have experience in public school. Did you go to a private school for a year? Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, private school for kindergarten and first grade. I mean, it counts. It still counts. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also went off to not just a community college, but you were a student at a university for a long time kind of worked in, you know, kind of while going there and being a student. Yep. So you have a lot of experience in education. And I think the the heart behind this conversation is kind of like, what have you experienced in all of those different versions of education? And obviously, to each their own, there's not necessarily one to rule them all, that's the best for everyone, because it's not one size fits all. But right. in, in your experience, what are some of the bigger differences between the types and, and what worked really well for you? Gosh, that's a really good question. Um, I think on the side of Christian college or Christian education, I am really thankful for my parents, you know, sacrificing their, their time, their energy, all of that to, to, to parent with the best of what they knew to do and wanting to, I think every parent has got to make those decisions each year for each kid of like, what are we doing with school? And so it's not always decisions that kids are making. Sometimes, sometimes it's involved in that, but, um, yeah, I'm really thankful for the, the background that I had with getting to experience different school settings. Really thankful for, um, 
friendships and in community that we had, like my siblings and I growing up with different families that we had in our lives who were private school, public school and homeschool families. And, um, I think it's been really interesting to be on the teaching side of things and to observe, I guess, the, the differences sometimes in students who have maybe gone through a Christian education experience from kindergarten all the way until university and, and seeing, yeah, just what a very unique experience that is compared to somebody who has gone to public school or been a part of community college or in and out of these different, um, school options. Um, so that's, that's been, I think I've appreciated getting to learn from people who have had such different educational experiences. And, um, now I'm kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, like straddling the two worlds of like still teaching for an, I'm still teaching, um, I was teaching in a formal like classroom setting for about six years after I finished undergrad. And then in the last few years have been transitioning. I myself am back in school as a student (gasps) and that's been wild. And I'm also still teaching. So I think I really appreciate both sides of this conversation in a super unique way because it's it's really real for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, with your experiences, you've, you've been on every side of almost every part of this conversation. And I think I wanted to have this conversation because I feel like for many believers and even people who think about Christians in education, the immediate thought is uh, private school or homeschool. And I think even more recently, homeschool has become like the de facto, oh, you're a Christian, you homeschool, right? And my wife and I were both, you know, put through public school. We all the way through high school and I had close, I didn't work for the school, but I had close interactions with a Christian private school. Um, and I also did a lot of stuff out when, after I graduated, I did a lot of stuff at FCAs at public schools. And I think, um, that mentality is kind of unhealthy for people to just de facto think that especially since each student needs to be catered to individually and their needs and and what works best for them needs to be considered um, rather than just, you know, and I know you mentioned that, but what the the parents want, you know, and I, the parents are important, obviously they have to make those decisions before their students can, but I think the parents need to know what's best for their student, not necessarily what makes them feel feel the best or whatever, you know what I mean? So I think kind of my question to you is as a student, when you were going through it, what was, what was your favorite form? What worked, (laughs) what worked best for you? You have to pick. Oh man, I don't know if I can pick a, a favorite form, but I will say that I think my high school experience, I was really grateful for the freedom that I had in being able to experience, um, not just being a home, a student who was homeschooled, but also having the, being able to access the dual enrollment courses because I was able to work part time. I was able to kind of figure out my schedule. And then even just being, I, I don't, I can't speak to what that experience is now for students that dual enroll, but I know that, um, I got to 
my first job was actually as a student worker at BCC. My, my first W2 came from being a student worker um, in a chemistry lab of all things. And I was not a science student. Um, but just getting to meet so many amazing people from all these different backgrounds, I think that really shaped my high school experience. Um, yeah. And I, at that time, knew that I did want to go into, I thought I was going to be going into elementary education. All of my prereqs uh, were set for elementary ed. But even then, I think meeting some of my first like friends who were from, for, who were international students happened in that setting. So, mm. um yeah, I had a great high school experience, and I think a lot of that was just all the flexibility that was built into yeah. co-ops and classes and getting having the ability to work a little bit and, and just do, like, such a eclectic mix of things and really figure out kind of how I was wired and what I wanted to look into and, yeah, yeah all of that. And I think for me, I, I don't want it to come off like I appreciate one more than the other. I think they all have merits. And as somebody who was in public school, I was jealous of the two pe- two students, the one, like, students who were able to dual enroll because mm-hmm. I didn't really understand what that meant when it was first explained to me. So I just wrote it off and never even thought of it again and come to find out a bunch of kids graduate with their AA two years ahead. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. So I was jealous of that of that setup and situation as a student myself, but then also the more stories I hear of uh, homeschoolers who have this flexibility, just like you're saying, I'm like, wow. So these are things that I never knew about, didn't really consider or understand as a student myself, and so I don't have a preference per se. I would love my stu- my my kids to go through um, public school, but that's you know four years away, five years away before I have to really make that decision. And who knows what those systems and what those places will look like, those institutions will look like. So I don't necessarily have a a preference, but I do appreciate the differences and think um, it's important to consider all those things, the the benefits, the pros and cons of both or all all the different education types. but I think what I, I mainly am negative towards, just because that is a part of what I'm saying, is the de facto, like, it's default to just, like, we're going to protect our kids and put them into private Christian school or homeschool them, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I I have friends now where I live who have, um, a lot of friends, actually, who have kids in public school, and it's very interesting to see sometimes the stigma that they experience from other friends of theirs who are also Christian parents um, who kind of have, I guess, this perspective that homeschooling is the best that you can possibly do. And I just, I don't think that's healthy. I don't think that that is, um, I don't think it does a lot to bring unity at all for to the body. But, you know, I just think these experiences are, are not, um, they're not all the same. And so to yeah. say, you know, you've got some kids, especially with um, very specific learning needs where I think some parents would be way in over their head trying to be present with their children emotionally and spiritually and parent well and deal with all these other layers yeah. of just realizing like, wow, I don't have what it's going to take to give my kid the best academic experience 
and we're going to figure out who that is, who, who does have that for them. And if that means that it's your local public school, that's amazing. You know, if that means yeah. that there's, there is the access to a, pr- a private school education, that's great. But I think, yeah, like trying to do the best that you can for your own family is the first step, but then also just having so much grace and, and, yeah. um, respect for others for other parents journeys with their own kids and exactly and even if I can throw in this too I mean I think there is sometimes a incredible amount of privilege that comes with having options like to say that Hmm. you not only have you chosen this but this is the best like I think you're just really not giving yourself uh I don't know. I think you're not looking at the whole experience, which is that lots of families do not have options because of their employment situation, because of um, income, cost of living, you know, who knows what all the things go into it, but there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. You have no idea what someone's experience has been. So to say like, this is the best, I can't believe you're not doing this for your kid. It's like, maybe they really wanted that and it's not a possibility for them. Yeah. And that's, that's a huge thing for me because being raised by a single mother, there was like no way that I would have been able to be homeschooled because then when would my mom have gone to work and made money to pay the bills and get food and all those things. So yeah, I didn't really understand or know about that whole system and process. But also, even if I did, I don't know if I could have taken advantage of it because of the advantages and disadvantages of different families and setups and financial situations and all of that stuff. So yeah. My next question to you would be, why do you think Christians, or what do you think Christians approach education? What do you think their mentality is as they approach this? What are some of the motivations that they might be having? I'm going to use you as an example in this, Gerald. Like, you and Laura just had a baby eight months ago. And I know from talking with you, it's he's totally changed your world. And I know there's this innate desire to protect him and want to give him access to good and beautiful things for his life. And I know that that, I want to believe like that's the heart of every parent. Um, and I think sometimes that desire to protect and to provide goodness, I, I think that it can turn into doing things out of fear if it's not, I don't know if I think it can just very easily go there. Like wanting so much to protect your kids from things that you think are going to bring harm that Hmm. you can make those decisions out of fear. And so I think that, um, I see that happen a lot with, um, Christian education and, and in the sense of wanting to protect your your children, your students from what you perceive to be these different forms of harm and, you know, giving them a chance to figure out who they are and what they believe. And I think all of that is inherently very good, but when it becomes something that keeps kids isolated from the world around them, um, for the entirety of their education, I don't know if that's setting them up for the best possible transition into adulthood in yeah. in the real world. So, um, like I said a little bit earlier, it's been really interesting to have interacted with students who, that was their experience, kindergarten until their senior year of undergrad, they 
had always been in Christian school and, um, you know, just to see their perceptions of even like, how do you have relationships with non-believers and how do you have, Mm. what does this mean for you going into the work world? What does this mean for you just like living and following Jesus in everyday life? Um, and I, I've seen it be challenging for some students. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that everybody that goes to a Christian school or has Christian education is in a bubble. That's not true. Um, I think there's lots of factors involved, but definitely, definitely, definitely. is possible for that to be the experience. Yeah, and I would say I, I don't think it's it's relegated to Christian students because I think there's a lot of Christians, adults or younger, who purposely put them put themselves in a bubble and try to wall off the world and say no i'm not a part of it i only listen to christian this and i only go to christian stores and i only go to you know christian this and christian that and so there's a lot of um ways for that fear of the world and to to separate yourself out and you know people take that verse and run with it to like really put the world which is just people around us at an arm's length and I've just seen it so much with this topic. I've seen it so much with, with education. And I really think that's why I wanted to talk to you because you have so many different experiences on so many, from so many different ways and so many different angles that I think it was important to, to share. Yeah, that is a, a, a thing that happens. And I think because Christians want to do that, it, it, that's where it defaults. And I think like you can kind of break us free of that and show us like, yeah, there's pros and cons and you know all the different angles. But what do you think? Um, what do you think some of the ways we can process and make decisions about education that would be fitting to students? I know you have experience with students who, like you just said, were K like kindergarten all the way through undergrad were Christians. What do you think some of the the things they were missing were? Besides social skills. I'm just kidding. Sorry. 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 It's a homeschool dig. Um, I mean, I just think there's so many amazing ways that you can be involved in what's happening in your neighborhood, what's happening in your community. And, um, even, even like volunteering with, with other students from other schools. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that, that students can, yeah can be involved in these different aspects of what's happening in their, their own communities. But then, um, I mean, I think maybe <laughs> it's a case by case thing, but I, I would, I think it'd be so neat to see, um, the things that parents maybe feel intimidated to navigate on their own, like being like, let's learn about this together. Let's read this together. Let's yeah, being more involved in it. And even talking about some of these harder things that are happening in the world around them that they do want to isolate their students from like there, I think there can be ways to nurture and guide and walk alongside your students and not feel like you have to keep them, uh, Shelter. I don't know, I guess shelter, shelter them. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's not necessarily the goal. Word, shelter them, yeah. yeah the, goal, the goal is not to protect them from every single drop of rain, but to help them stay safe and not get sick and, you know, have different complications from being wet, 
from rain, you know? And I think Christian education, you know, it has its history. It has its roots in some pretty crazy things, but that's not so much a issue today. Like Christian schools aren't started today for some of the reasons they were started in the past. Um, but I think it's, it's important to understand those, those histories, um, and where we came from because of what you just said, the, the engagement in community and the way that you can process and help your students navigate the real world instead of trying to just shield them from it and protect them and keep them away from it. Yeah. Because at some point, the goal is not for Christian kids to be born into Christian families and to interact and live around Christians and the only fast food restaurant they've ever been to is Chick-fil-A and they've never, you know what I mean? Like they don't go to, it's not a complete separation for the entire life because at the end of that child's life, right? When they're 80 years old, the goal is not that they've never interacted with somebody who wasn't a Christian because that would discount the whole, you know, great commission to go in and reach the world and disciple them and, and teach them God's word. So if that's not the goal, then why do we try so hard to do that to our students, not letting them prepare? And one of the best parenting advice quotes I've ever heard was to to let your students, let your kids make mistakes while you can you're there to help them. Cuz you would much rather them make a mistake and do something now that you can help them walk through and deal with than for them to be 25 and have this catastrophic mistake that they've never walked through, never made, and it, it costs them their job or it costs them, you know, a, a cherished relationship or something like that. So I think there's education is kind of a uh, lightning rod for these topics because it's so you're making a choice. You're making you're choosing whether you're going to quote unquote protect your kids from the world or let them be raised by the world. And those are two polar extremes that aren't necessarily the case most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it breaks my heart because of uh, this term that I learned recently, which is segregation academies. I didn't actually know that they had a name, but historians and, and people have gone back and they look that a lot of Christian schools started right after the Brown v. Board decision to desegregate schools and education across the nation. A lot of private schools, and, and many of them were Christian, popped up to literally just be white educational institutions and to block black students or people of color from going there. Um, and I, I knew that was a historical fact. I knew that kind of had happened before. But come to find out, there's schools in seven plus states. I was reading an article that said there's actually schools who still do that. And in as recent as 2010, there was a, a couple, there was two schools in Mississippi that had zero black students. Wow. So I think the history and the context of where these institutions came from is important. Um, because like you said, in community engagement and, and being able to be a part of your um, where you live and the people that are around you is very important, and education has such a huge part of that. So, 
I don't know if if you what's your thoughts on our on all of that or what you're thinking. I I think that now um, it's interesting for me. So full disclosure, I am transitioning out of this background in education. And in the last couple of years of teaching, I was, um, my bachelor's is in ESL. I had been, uh, working with adult international students teaching English as a second language and just some of my own personal learning journeys. And then being in kind of an advocacy position with students, I, I realized it's led me down this path to now I'm getting my master's in social work. And so I'm learning so much about just all the different ways that, you know, these spheres in society are so connected. And what's been really interesting for me is to see how, like, I don't have my own kids and I, I'm not making these statements, you know, from the perspective of a parent, but as someone who's gone through all these different aspects of education and now, you know, being on the social work side of things, I really, I think that all of us have, this amazing opportunity to be able to um, learn about the history of where some of these things have come from. And, you know, your example of um, schooling is such a good one. And, and to know like, okay, we inherited a lot of these different complexities and, and problems, but with where you are right now, with, with the church that you're a part of right now, with the community that you're in, you know, how can we individually support, um, families and students and and teachers in our communities and so I think like my perspective has changed so much in the last several years um you know I'm currently working with a lot of families and kids who are navigating the public school system and this is on the social work side and just seeing what an opportunity there is for for believers to really just um regardless of where you want to have your kids be in school to see yourself as part of, you know, what's, what is, what does Jesus want to do in my neighborhood, in my community, and even yeah. like looking for ways to support these different schools. And, um, I don't know, I think there's some grim history for sure, but I think there's a lot of hope right now for, for conversations that are happening and, and even for ways that I see our generation wanting to kind of face what our history has been and then move forward from that place and, and it's not just education but it's they're all linked together I feel like education and you know wanting to see um yeah just all these different spheres be be brought to a place where we are serving kids and giving them the best possible future you know that sounds yeah. so cliche but it really is true like what's happening in our schools is eventually going to affect our societies like we have kids that are going to grow up and take these different jobs and positions and impact their communities. So what, what's happening in schools right now, like it actually does matter for all of us, regardless of where you want to send your own child to school. Exactly. It's like, we're all connected somehow (laughs) as, as human beings. We're all, we all impact each other. Um, I know that your experiences lend you a lot of wisdom in these different areas in, in this conversation. So I appreciate you sharing some of your experiences with us and with the podcast today. Um, today we're going to take a break for an ad and then we'll be back with the rest of today's episode. This is my first break. I hope I did it right. So we're back. Thank you so much guys for listening to 
the Young Ambiguous podcast. If you like us, um, hit us up on social media, Young Ambiguous. Um, we have an email, youngambiguous at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast. And leave a review because I don't think you can like it. But let us know. Uh, five stars are the best to give us. Uh, but I'm not twisting anybody's arms. Um, Bethany, do you do you want the people to connect with you on social media? Do you want the wave of listeners, the, the thousands, the millions of listeners that we have to to follow you on Instagram or Twitter or where are you at on social media? I'm going to be honest. Grad school, Bethany, is not really engaging on social media a whole lot these days. So All I right. I have these different handles, but um, yeah. It's a whole new, whole new world for me. Not having the time or the capacity that I really want to. Don't worry, guys. I'm gonna put her handles in the notes. You can still follow me. Just know that if you don't get a response, it's not because I don't care. I just probably haven't checked it in a while. It's totally fine. Who even goes on Instagram anymore? <laughs> no one. Okay, so back to the to the comments to the the conversation we're having. I I wanted to bring up since you've been in higher education university college for so long as it were as it were your experience at university i want to lean into that and i think there's a couple of interesting terminologies i've heard i've heard educational inflation i've heard just get a trade job don't go to school and then billionaires who went to college and dropped out continuously tell people to just not go to school so maybe you can kind of just be like, hey, here's a quick breakdown. These are some good reasons to go to school. These might be some good reasons to go to trade school. These might be some good reasons to punch a billionaire in the face if you see him. What do you think? I think that the, the UK and Australia and a few other countries that, take, that have students take a gap year, I really think that is so smart. And I think that... If there is the time and the living situation and the financial cushion, meaning, you know, your parents will let you live there for a year after you graduate from high school. Um, I just don't know anybody that graduated at 18 and knew exactly what they wanted to do when they got to college who, yeah. for students that went to college. And so, you know, I don't think that's an uncommon experience, but it's a very expensive choice to, it's a very expensive route to go if you're just trying to figure out what you want to do. Well, let me pause right there because I okay. think a lot of students end up staying with their parents many more than just one year after Absolutely. they graduate high school. So if one of those years is a gap school, a gap year, that would be cool. But I think a lot of parents say, if you're going to live here, you got to be doing something, you know? Yeah. So. And I, again, I know I'm really such a supporter of, of realizing that everyone's experience is so different, but I saw a lot of students who went to college, got there, realized they needed to change their major several times, you know, and I think there is some, I think that's one of the most amazing things about community college is that those first two years, if you're going to go with a liberal arts education, they're going to look very similar. Uh, yeah. Whether you're at an expensive four-year school or whether you're doing it at your local community college. So, um, yeah, bio yeah. one is the same at Cambridge as it is at bcc or esfs whatever i don't know it florida eastern state college yeah so i would 
Eastern Florida State College. As much as you can give yourself, if there is opportunity for you to have people around you and giving yourself time to think through and work through some of those things, you know, um, before you get to school, that is amazing. Um, Also, I think it's really there's so many pros and cons. Like the experience that I had, I I made lifetime friends going to college. And if I had to do it all over again, even with taking out some student loans, like I really did have some life changing experiences. Um, that being said, I think now the economy has changed so much; is continuing to change. Um, I think there are a lot of amazing jobs that are available without having to have a four year degree. Yeah. And so. I think it's just, it's a toss up because you're going to school not always just for the degree. It is really experience. It is about these really formative years of your life where you are figuring out who you are, what makes you come alive. Um, honestly, like what God's wired you for. I think all of that is, is a big deal in your, you know, eight, that 18 to 25 age bracket is yeah. some very serious, like important, exciting things happening in people's lives. But, um, and as much as you can research scholarships and grants and financial yeah, aid as much yeah. as possible, like I just think some of these degrees, I hate seeing kids finish and having thousands of dollars worth of debt to pay off and, and not being able to get jobs in their fields. I think that is so that's happening all the time. And so, I, yeah, yeah, I'm going to plug my best friend, um, Hassan Minaj. He has a show called The <laughs> Patriot her. Act. On Netflix, new episodes came out recently, and he's been dropping some heat on all kinds of things that are happening. And my wife was telling me, because I haven't watched this episode yet, but she was telling me that student loan debt is the highest like total amount of debt. So home yes. home debt, you would think home debt is like, wow, that's got to be huge. Houses are so expensive. No, student loan debt is ballooned, and it, it is the biggest amount of total debt in our nation today. And that's crazy to me because there's so many jobs. Like you and I could probably, maybe if we're lucky, think of 10 people that are electricians, that do flooring, that are roofers, you know what I mean? Plumbers, all of those things. We can maybe total up 10 people in our community that we know or that we've just known through life. And like those are all well, good jobs, well-paying jobs. I've seen two plumbing jobs where people who are master plumbers are applying or, or looking for an apprentice and they're going to pay them 45 k If they have experience <laughs> and they're willing and a reliable worker, they're going to get paid 45 k You know how many people get paid $45,000 a year? Not a lot. But you know plumbers, how many people with four-year degrees can't find jobs that start off paying 45 k Exactly. Yeah. And listen, I don't think there's a lot of people whose passion is poop, okay? I just don't think that's anybody's passion. But if you're hardworking and you put the time in, trades, trade jobs can really offer financial stability. Like anywhere you go, they're going to need plumbers. They're going to need handyman. They're going to need people to lay flooring they're gonna need electricians like everywhere you go that's those are jobs that can be useful and so i mean even right now i need an electrician and i don't really know who to call and ask but like i i just know that 
the way things have gone, basically you're not even qualified for a lot of jobs unless you have a bachelor's degree, and they don't even care what the bachelor's degree is in. Right. Which makes, to me, it makes it sound like, oh, you just wanted me to have done a bunch of work and paid a lot of money for this piece of paper that you don't even care of the words on it as long as it says Bachelor of Science and I have it signed by some university because you don't even really care what university it is. Um, and so obviously there's jobs that you need in education and you need a certain level of knowledge and, you know, I'm not discounting education wholesale because I think it's important to continue in higher education and all that. But I think trade jobs need to, they're on the rise and they need to be more of a viable career path that people consider rather than just being like, all right, well, I'm going to go to college now. For sure. And I think that some of these, I've, you know, I think I want to keep learning more about high, projects that are happening in high schools all over the country. There's a few that I know of that I can send you links if you want to put them in, you know, show notes or whatever, but, um, of having these conversations, not just having these conversations much earlier, but even high schools that want to offer these different training options to students, you know, that you don't have to wait until you get to this certain level of quote unquote, you know, societal adulthood that I had a friend that she finished her cosmetology license before she graduated from high school because of the program that was available to her in her high school. And, you know, and she would clean up on prom time, too. Literally. Um, But, you know, whether it's um, these different trades jobs or even getting getting IT training to kids while they're still in high school. Yep. I think that there's some amazing innovative things that are happening. And they're doing even they're doing coding lessons in elementary school. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna need that. And and so those are all I mean, I think that there are definitely some brilliant educators and very smart <laughs> um, innovative leaders in education who realize like by the time these current students get out of school they're going to be inheriting even more of a complicated economy and market all these different things so you know what can we do for kids that are in the school system right now to set them up exactly or to to succeed so i think that's exciting and it it needs to happen more yeah and i i know for a fact that ogalley high school here locally in brevard um they've built a uh airplane hangar and i think it's in partnership with boeing or something like that one of the companies maybe lockheed martin or something but they're they do training and you can graduate with a a technical certification for um airplane engine mechanics or something like that and it's like that's crazy like it's awesome it's right next to where i used to lift weights and weightlifting which i much rather would have been like getting a certification that could get me a (laughs) a decent paying job right out of high school you know yeah and who doesn't like airplanes, you know? Well, there's, I guess there's a lot of people because they're scared of heights and whatnot and a bunch of different things. But I just think exactly what we're saying is is so important. And that's why, for me, this topic of education is so important because all of the different flavors of education still need to set students up and set people up. Like young adults, they need to set up teenagers to succeed in life. And I think if we're trying to make those decisions based out of fear or a overprotection mindset, we're not setting them up to succeed. We're holding them back from some of those things. And, you know, you were lucky and I feel lucky to have gotten the education that I've gotten. 
and and this is in no way to kind of demean the education we got because the education we got is you know a lot better than most of the world and some of the the poorer parts of our planet that don't have these opportunities to even go through the schooling whatever educational level most people in America do so there's even privilege baked into um what we've received so yeah i just think it's important to consider a, the, the holistic picture what's the end goal you know what are yeah, we trying sure. to, what are we trying to accomplish and if we're trying to accomplish well-rounded human beings who can succeed in career and in life and what and, and further education if that's what they want to do then we need to set them up for that and i think experiences like yours can really lend a hand in helping explain that and if i could add to what we were saying about you know the to go to college or to not go to college i think regardless of what a student experiences into adulthood what i what i hope um to cultivate in whether it's my own students or clients i'm working with or you know one day if it's my own kids is a love for learning regardless of whether you are yeah. in a formal education setting and so i think just realizing there is so much to learn, especially from people who have had different experiences than you. And so at this point, you know, even if you didn't go to a four-year college, um, there's some amazing resources that are available, whether it's TED Talks or there's a lot of different universities. Um, I just was reading about a project that is making these certificate-level courses available for free um, in so many different topics. So... It's, I mean, yeah, send, me, the send me the link the if internet, you have it. I will, I will. Channeling the power of the internet and your own curiosity and imagination. I mean, there's just so many yeah. amazing free resources, um, you know, that if you want to learn about something, don't let a lack of a college education or, or, or money to keep you from pursuing, like, oh, I wish I could get a master's in this, but I can't. Like, that's fine. You know, you can still be, um, learning and reading and researching and um, soaking up as much as you can exactly. just on your own um, yep. and seeing the, the I don't know, just the exciting reality that that's not just available to you through your local library of having to physically go there and pick up a book, you know, that yeah, there's so much to learn. Well, I think, too, that lends into the last thing I wanted to kind of bring up um, was kind of the life skills that don't get taught in most educational, you know what I mean? Like no one taught me how to do taxes. I had to just figure it out with TurboTax helping me out, you know, or um, I didn't know how to really negotiate a salary or um, understand benefits and, and at a job and what, what's good benefits and what's bad. And you know what I mean? Like there's so many different life skills that you have to, kind of just learn from experience and learn secondhand from people who just tell you what they experienced. And there's not, um, to my knowledge, a lot of formulized like, hey, here are some things that happen. And like, no, I haven't seen many classes like that or classes even offered like that um, in many forms of education. And I think that would be huge to really help people succeed in life. Mm-hmm. Especially since, you know, what's the phrase? There's nothing more certain in life than death and taxes, right? So, like, 
we don't really need to learn how to die. That's just going to happen. But we we're going to pay taxes. Learn how to do your taxes. Yeah. So if it's that important that it's you know one of two things that are always going to happen in life, then we should definitely make sure that we um, understand it. And that's the thing is like adults don't understand it. So it's not like a high school senior is going to have like a master knowledge of it, but at least they can have some basics and not mess themselves up right out of the gate. Yeah, for any for any students that are listening to this, I just keep thinking, you know, when I was in when I was in high school and I remember that transition of my I, I actually did take a couple of months off and went overseas before I um, finished my that my teaching degree. But I just remember being so incredibly thankful for the different adults outside of my parents who invested in my life and who um, really I can see different people who are older than me and wiser than me who invested in me or mentors and friends and outside of going to school outside of having a high school diploma or a college degree I think there's there's some really rich things that you learn in the context of relationships and so if you're a student and you're listening to this and you know whether you have really amazing supportive parents or if you don't have parents that are as actively involved in your life um you know don't hesitate to try to reach out to um some adults that are around you and if you don't know any ask Daryl seriously send him an email I'm, I'm not even kidding like you for anyone listening like if you feel that you would like to be connected to different somebody who could pour into you in a different way I think that is such a rich learning opportunity and I, I I can just look back and see different conversations where I asked older adults okay when you were going through this whether it's super practical about relationships or budgeting or I don't know whatever the life skill was it just really helps to ask somebody that's already done it themselves yeah, and, yeah. and can say hey here's how I royally screwed this up or here's how I did this and it ended up being really good and um, I just think you can't get enough of having people share from what they've already walked through and getting to learn from that. I think it's a, it's a gift if you're able to do that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I thank you for the plug, Bethany. I'm definitely available to help, you know, maybe connect you with somebody or even, you know, try and help you myself if I can. Um, if I think that that's something I can speak into. Um, I definitely just want to, you know, if you do well, I do well, we're all going to be successful mm. together. It's not a competition. So also I'm going to give you a plug uh, you've been sitting in your uh, room where you teach your students, uh, some of them online. So if students need English lessons, and <laughs> whatever else. They can reach out to me for sure. Awesome. And they're listening um, to this English podcast for some reason. Boom. They can learn even more. <laughs> you teach mainly in elementary students though, correct? I do. My world is really funny right now because in the mornings I'm teaching colors and the alphabet and, you know, some basic elementary topics. And then in the afternoons and at night, I'm deep into all this grad school reading. So sometimes my normal vocabulary is just very confused and doesn't know <laughs> what the appropriate words are for each setting. It gets all mixed up. Well, if you guys need help, Bethany will teach you the colors. She's great at it. <laughs> Um, thank you so much for, for being on this uh, podcast here with me and talking about this topic. I know there's such a range of, of 
thoughts and experiences. And I'm thankful that you shared yours with us today. So thank you for that. Thanks for having me, Gerald. Awesome. Well, again, we'll have a lot of these notes and links and different things in the show notes. So if you want to connect with us, you can do that in notes or some of the links and articles we kind of mentioned will be on there as well. So thank you so much. Uh, Have a great day. Bye, guys.